awesome opportunity to come and share the word with you all and to continue in our series in Nehemiah. And uh, I, I think when uh, Pastor Dan and our staff was talking about what we felt like God was leading our church to and, and guiding our church to, he's like, here's some ideas. And uh, it's been really fun to kind of see uh, in this concept of Nehemiah and this idea of building for the kingdom what it means for us. Because in a time of transition, in a time of kind of saying, all right, like, what is this going to be? What is this going to look like? How are we going to live? How do, we, how do we continue to be faithful to the work of God in this place and in Simi Covenant? We have this invitation, we have this challenge to be a part of building God's kingdom, to ask the question, what does it mean for us to participate in the building of God's kingdom and doing the work? And and part of that, right, is Nehemiah sees a need. He sees the need of the walls of Jerusalem to be rebuilt. Um, Ezra's already come back and kind of rebuilt the temple, but the walls need to be rebuilt. The industry around Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. It has to be structured and, and strong so that the people of God can follow him and celebrate and worship together. And this is the journey that we have as a church. We get to be on the journey of being dedicated to the work of God. And, and that is essentially what we get to celebrate today as the temple, or as the, as the people of God go into the temple to celebrate what God has done and to celebrate the finished work of building the wall. And we still see all kinds of crazy stuff. But as we go into that, would you, and would you um, extend your hands as a sign of just being receptive to what God may have for you today? As a sign of saying, all right, God, here I am. I'm opening my heart to what you have. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you teach us and mold us in this place? Would you show us your love? Would you allow us to wrap our heads around how we could be dedicated to the work of your kingdom, to the work of your people to the work of this church and this community, God, and how we can be open to what you have for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Um, so as we uh, have worked our way through the book of Nehemiah, uh, you may have, may have been reading along with us. If you have, I really, I really think that's awesome. If you're like, oh man, I haven't read Nehemiah. I don't really even know anything about Nehemiah or what this is. Like, it's, it's really not a difficult read. Like he's telling the story of rebuilding the wall, um, and it's not a difficult read until you get into like chapter 10 and 11, which is where we are today. Um, and the reason it's a difficult read when you get into chapters 10 and 11 is because you have these like little nuggets of a couple of verses followed by like lists of ridiculous names that mean nothing to you in your journey and whatever else. But here's, here, so here's how we're going to preface this. We're going to preface this by saying uh, the names are meaningful in that they represent people who are committed to what God was doing in and through their work, right? And we say this is the same way that we might dedicate uh, you know, a memorial bench or we might dedicate uh, something of substance to somebody we remember who, who was meaningful in our life or in our faith and our journey. Uh, it's it's somebody, it's a way of basically saying these are the people who are to be honored because of the work, because of the commitment, because of the sacrifice that they did for the people of God. 
And so me stumbling through reading all of those names isn't really going to be helpful for where we're going this morning. But just know that's a huge part of how this passage unfolds. It's telling a story that says, and these are the people who are about that. And these are the people who are about that. So I'd invite you, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, to open up to Nehemiah chapter 11. So Nehemiah, back in the Old Testament, behind Ezra, before Esther, um, one of my favorite books in the Bible also. Esther's so good. Um, So if you're like, oh, how does this all fit in? It's talking about the story of God's people as they come back from exile, from being sent away. Um, And we're in chapter 11, big number 11. Small number one, right at the top. And it says, the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of the ten to live in the holy city of Jerusalem. While the remaining nine stayed in, their ta- in the other towns, the people blessed those who agreed to live in Jerusalem. Uh, and then it goes on to say, these are the leaders of the providence who lived in Jerusalem, while the Israelites, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, the descendants of Solomon, servants lived in the towns of Judah on their property. Some of the descendants of Judah and Benjamin settled in Jerusalem. So we have this, we have this basically thing, like they are now, the wall is complete, and they have a responsibility as a people of God. And I think this is uh, relevant for us as we continue to seek what God has for us as a church to understand that God is doing and stirring and moving in things that are happening around us. And some of those things take sacrifice for us. They take sacrifice. Building the kingdom, um, we sacrifice with joy for what God desires for his work. We sacrifice with joy for what God desires for his work. And then we're going to kind of be working through what does that mean for us as a result of what we're reading in Nehemiah today. But for them, in this time and in that space, they've built a wall around a non-existent city. The people of Jerusalem, the leaders, the people of industry were taken away in the exile. And the people of, uh, of the Israelites They went back to their towns. They farmed the land. They took care of their families. They were doing these things that were good for the people of God. But they they now had this understanding, this, this invitation back into relationship with God. This invitation back into relationship with the temple. And by... By building the walls, we set the framework, the structure, the the opportunity for the industry to thrive around the holy mount, around the temple. And so they build the walls of Jerusalem once again, but they also are required in some ways to sacrifice in order to populate the area in which they live. They have to have industry around the temple, otherwise the temple dies. They have to have people who are going to worship. They have to have places for people to stay. They have, have to have places for people to eat. They have to have places for trade and for, for opportunity for commerce so that, so that the people who come to worship at the temple can participate in the full worship of God. This is, this is a necessary element in what it means to be the people of God, to be the church of God, and it's to care for those who are part of it. And we sacrifice with joy for what God desires for his work. And so um, our first point for the day is this. I'm going to invite you guys to give up. To give up. Uh, if you look at this 
passage again, it says, the, re- the leaders and the people lived in Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, I stood up, um, I, I, I experienced something like this the other day. I, I, I spent the night at Chick-fil-A with some friends from the church. And um, you might say, why would you do that? And the great answer to that question is free Chick-fil-A. Um, now, when I count up all the hours I spent there and all the exhaustion I've experienced since, maybe it wasn't really free. It cost me something. Um, it cost me energy and time and commitment. But as we first got there, we lined up. They made us stand in line. They drew X's on our hands. They handed us tickets with numbers. And we waited to see if we would be lucky enough to go and to sleep at Chick-fil-A. Now, here's, here's the incredible part of this, right? Like, I'm standing there, and the, the three friends who were standing there with me, uh, they all get called in, and I'm standing there by myself, like, will I go? Will I not go? How is this going to happen? Like, will I be left out and not get this? I'm totally not staying with them because I'm not that supportive of a friend. Like, um, all those things, right? That are going through my mind, and my number gets called, and I'm like, yes, I get to go. Well, here's the thing. These people, in the time of Jerusalem, right, their entire lives, their entire industry is centered around the simple concept that they live in the fields. They participate in in caring for their family. There's a communal aspect to this whole thing. And their world does not involve being a part of Jerusalem. There's not this, like, desire for them to have their number drawn to go move to Jerusalem to live in the big city. The same way we all choose to live in a suburb instead of downtown L.A. Like, we might be willing to go do commerce and business down there, but we want to live here. And so the people of God are actually invited to give up something. To give up something in order to participate in the kingdom of God. And so uh, if you have your connect card with you this morning. Uh, We're going to kind of be working through these next steps today. But the first next step, the first opportunity to figure out how to give up is that uh, in in two weeks, uh, the the start of Lent is coming around. Now, if you don't know anything about Lent, it's not really that important. It's a historical season in the church of preparing our hearts for Easter, for what God does on the cross. And one of the things that is done during Lent often is a season of fasting, a season of contrition and prayer and going before God and saying, all right, God, what do you have for us? And so here's my challenge to you. My challenge, my ask, is that you might be willing to give up one day, not 40 days, not 30 days, not whatever, to give up one day of food to your healthy ability. If you're not fully able to do that because of health reasons, don't do it, right? Like, but to, to participate with us as a community, we're going to have this prayer experience on Saturday to come and to pray and then to say, I'm going to commit one day to fast and pray for our church. And how amazing would it be if each of us chose a day to fast and pray for our church? And so for five weeks, we, we chose a day and, 
and Monday through Saturday we fasted and we prayed for our church. But not only that, if you took a day and you chose that day, and at the end of the day you wrote a reflection and you shared it with everybody else who's going to be participating in this experience so that we together get to experience your prayers for our church. And we get to do this as something together as we engage who God is and what he's inviting us to and how he's challenging us as a church and say, man, we don't know what's happening next. We don't know how God is going to use this season of building, of retooling, of transition in the life of our church, but we are willing to go the extra distance to give something up, to give a day of our time and our energy up to pray and to be invested in our community. And if that's something you'd be willing to do, I would invite you to check that. Check that box and be like, I'm in. I'm willing to do that. Uh, we're going to then send out an opportunity for you guys to choose what day that is. And if multiple people pick the same day, great. We'll get multiple reflections that day. And everybody who chooses to participate, we'll just have a nice little chain email that's going to go around and say, hey, this is what the people of God are praying for. How incredible would that be if we became a church that was committed to the sacrifice of God, to sacrificing for the joy of God, and to doing these things. So that's step number one. That's one thing that we can see from these first two verses of the chapter, right? And then it goes on and it says, you know, from the family of Judah, all the family of Perez who lived in Jerusalem totaled 468 courageous people. From the family of Benjamin, you know, all these people. Of, of the priests, a total of 128 courageous people. Of the Levites, uh, a, the holy city totaled 284 people. The gatekeepers, a total of 172. And it goes through this list of all of these people who have committed themselves to follow God. Would you count yourself among the kind of people who would do that? That's point one. Let's continue looking at the passage. We're going to jump ahead. We're going to jump past a bunch of the names. If you have your Bibles out, you can go to Nehemiah 12. Uh, that's just the next, it's like the next page over, starting in verse 27. And again, there's a lot of names in here. There's a lot of different things. We're going to kind of move through this um, in a different kind of way. We're going to look, all right, God, what else do, do you have for God's people? What else are you calling God's people to? What, as they celebrate this opening of the temple, an opening of the gates and the walls of Jerusalem, what, what, what does this look like for your people? Nehemiah 12, 27. When it was time for the dedication of Jerusalem's wall, they sought out the Levites in all the places where they lived in order to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with joy and thanks and singing and with cymbals and harps and lyres. Then, and it jumps forward, then I brought the leaders of Judah up to the wall and organized two large groups to give thanks the first group went in procession on the wall toward the right. They brought the musical instruments of David, the man of God. Ezra, the scribe, went in front of them. The second group went in procession to the left. And then both groups of those who gave thanks stood in God's house. So they circle around, singing and giving praise for what God has done. And they end up in the temple. They end up in the temple of God and they... They give thanks and they stood in God's house. They offered great sacrifices on, the first, on that day and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children 
also rejoiced, and the sound of the joy in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. So, our second idea in this is actually to give praise. We sacrifice with joy for what God desires for his work, both to give up and to give praise. And part of giving praise, it actually invites us to participate in the community of God, to, to worship him, to celebrate him. But the extra part of that is to actually invite others to be a part of that journey of praise with us. And as you see in the story, Nehemiah invites everybody, all of the Levites come, not just the ones who live in Jerusalem, all of them come. All of these people are invited to go and be part of this processional as they look and enjoy the walls that they have built, the work of God's, hand, God's purpose in their life to protect them, to keep them safe, to create a space for the industry. And they get to go and then they go to the temple and worship together and they give praise. Um, I'm going to invite my friend David up. Uh, David is a senior in our, youth, in our youth ministry. He's been a part of this church a long time. He's going to share a little bit about his story. But uh, as, as I was reflecting on this passage, grab a spot. Um, David, uh, David has done some incredible things that have like supported and loved our youth ministry and um, that have brought praise to God. And I want to, it's a little different than maybe what you would expect, uh, how we're going to take this, but I, I would invite you to hear the story of what David has done. So David, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you've come to be a part of our church and how you've been part of our community and found yourself here. For sure. So, um, is this on? Yep. Okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I've been a part of the church for a while now. I went to preschool here. Uh, I kind of come from a family of believers, so I've always kind of had the Christian faith kind of in me, but never really was too active in it. We'd come to church kind of on and off for a while. Um, I started going to the youth group for a little bit. Um, I had to, you know, go to camps, help out VBS over the summer. And over time, I started to kind of find more of a passion for God and started to come to church more often, uh, take time on Sundays to be here, and um, uh, spend more time in the youth group with friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and David, like, to that end, like, I see him ten times more often than I see his family. Like, he, he's dedicated to showing up and investing in his faith. But one of the ways that you've done that is by inviting people. Yeah. So can you tell, how, how did you start inviting people to be part of a youth group and, to, and, and the youth ministry? Is so to be totally honest, at first it was because I didn't have any friends at youth group. And I want to have more friends in youth group. So I was like, you know what, hey guys, you should come check this out. And over time, you know, some of my friends I knew were Christians already were like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come check it out. Um, but as soon as I started to actually spend more time with them and in the youth group, I started going to camps and realizing that I had more of a passion for my faith and wanted to actually pursue this with friends and share it with other people. Just feeling the love of God, I felt like that was something that I shouldn't just keep to myself, that other people deserve to know and feel. So over time, I started inviting more people, maybe that weren't even Christians, to say, you can come check this thing out and... Some of them would say no, some of them would say yes, but over time I started to get more people involved that probably wouldn't normally go to a youth group or a church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in the last like year and a half, I'm going to brag on David for a second. Uh, in the last year and a half, I think probably 15 different kids who have different levels of complete no faith in God, um, having grown up fully Buddhist to, uh, to like being sort of from a Catholic family that doesn't really go to worship or do anything anymore, 
to not really having any faith whatsoever and being pretty anti-God have come and participate in youth group because David has had the awareness and the ability to say, oh, hey, would you just come? I love this place. Would you just come and be a part of that? So what is it that you love about youth group so much that makes you feel like, ah, this is a place my friends could come to? Uh, I just feel like it's like a safe place to be, to talk, to just discuss your faith. Even people that aren't necessarily Christians can come in and share like what they have and what their beliefs are. We can have those conversations about like, this is what I believe, this is what you believe, and kind of come together and just understand each other more and take the time to just hang out and just be, be friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and so what's something about your friends uh, and experiencing this faith that like has, has given you the opportunity to have these deeper level conversations with them? Um, sorry, hold on. Yeah, so, so like what, what's something that about your friends, um, like what's something that you've done with your friends that, that you kind of gotten to see them go deeper in their faith? Well, once I started inviting people to youth group, I think they realized that God isn't such a uh, touchy subject. You don't have to be scared to discuss your faith. It's something that you can talk about. So now I get people that approach me even at school. I, I go to a Simi High School, public school, and typically you don't hear people talk about their faith or religion or anything. But now I get people that come up to me like, hey, I know you're a Christian and you have this and I'm having these struggles in my life. Like, how can, like, like what does your faith say about this? And it gives me the opportunity to share how I feel and believe. Mm. Yeah, and like, I, I think what's incredible is as you do that, right, what happens if they're really off put by you? Like, what, what's your strategy for somebody yeah. being like, whoa, man, your thing, not mine? You just leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. You have to. I mean, a lot of times it happens, and people will be very, I've had friends that I brought it up to and immediately shut me down, like, no, that's not me. That's not me. And I just leave it. But there, I can think of a few individuals that initially put me off completely. A few months later, I brought up the same thing up to them, and they're like, you know what? Like, I've had this thing happen in my life, and I'm curious. Like, what, what can I do? And I invite them to youth group, and even the people you'd think would never be open to it sometimes will open up after a little bit of time. Yeah. So good. Thanks, David. Awesome. Thanks Thank for you, sharing. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. All right. So, David, David is this great example, right, of how how we can simply and easily talk about the things that we value with our friends. And as I watch the story, I don't even know if he sees the impact of it, because as I've grown up, I realize how hard it is to actually just have that first faith conversation with somebody that you're in relationship with. You're like, oh yeah, like I go to this thing, they're like, oh cool, whatever, you know. Like you're hanging, you're hanging out with, uh, you know, an extended group of friends, and for me, they're like, oh, you're a pastor. Cool. Right? And, and, like, I have this automatic in because everybody's first question when they're getting to know you is, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And you're never sure whether they're going to be like, whoa. Or they're going to be like, oh, that's so cool. What do you do, man? And, like, um, and, and so I have this automatic in. But you guys don't. Uh, you're like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I work in banking. I run, you know, this thing over here. And, I, like, or I am a therapist and I do this. And, like, oh, I don't like therapists. Like, you're going to ask me the wrong question, or what, like, whatever it is, like, right, there, it's going to be a different thing, it's going to be different, it's going to be different for you, but the first thing out of their mouth is not going to be something in relation to their relationship with Jesus, and whereas with David, he's actually stepped into the opportunity to say, I have fun, and I feel loved, and I feel cared for in this space, 
And I want you to experience the same thing. What if part of giving praise is inviting others to celebrate what God is doing in our lives? What if it's part of it is inviting those in your extended circles? Maybe it's people who have been a part of this community in the past and through all of our issues have said, man, I don't think I can do it anymore because this, this, and this. And you say, we're changing. We're working on it. Would you just be part of the faith conversation with us? Would you engage? Maybe it's people that you know in your life that you should talk to about what you believe because you care about it, but you're not really sure how. How do you have that first conversation to say, hey, I love this. Would you, come, would you consider coming to church with me? And maybe their first reaction is going to be, no, no way, no chance. But the invitation that you actually have then is to follow up and say, has God stirred anything in your heart? I know that's been part of our family's journey as we've experienced walking through life with a, a really close friend who doesn't believe at all. And she's like, we, I know and I appreciate and I love that you care enough about me that, that you feel like my soul is on the line and you have to tell me about this. And I'm not there. And we're like, it's okay if you're not there. What questions do you have? What things are you engaging? She's like, I'm engaging this, but I don't really care about this. And we're like, okay. I think if you would, it would matter. And she's like, okay, at least I know that. Right? And it's been this long journey over numbers of years of us and another couple pouring into her. And she still doesn't believe, and yet she's open to these faith conversations. And you can see questions about God stirring in her heart. That's what we're inviting you to. That's, that's the inv- inv- invitation that we would sacrifice our own standing to give praise. So if that's you, and that's the next step that you want to look at, I'd invite you to look at what it might mean to invite somebody, to engage with somebody in a faith conversation, to invite them to be a part of our, of our faith community together. So um, on that day, we're back in Nehemiah chapter 12. We've gotten through two major things, right? Uh, they're offering sacrifices on that day, rejoicing for God, and made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced in the sound of joy, and Jerusalem could be heard from far away. And on that day, people were appointed over the rooms and the things to be stored, the contributions, the early produce, and the tenth part of the gifts. They were to gather into them the portions required by the instruction for the priests and for the Levites from the fields belonging to the towns. For the people of Judah were delighted with the ministry of the temple of the praise of God. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification as did the singers and the gatekeepers according to the command of David and his son Solomon. Long ago in the days of David and Asaph, there was a leader there was a leader of the singers and there were songs of praise and thanks to God. So we're invited to give up. We're invited to give praise and we're also invited to this. In the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah all Israel gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portions of the Levites and the Levites set aside the portion for the Aaronites. So the Levites are the priests of the temple. The gatekeepers 
the singers are the people who protect the land, who protect the city of Jerusalem and protect the temple and bring praise in the temple. They're the people who offer the offerings to God. Aaronites, the ones who are part of the, the leaders of the Levites who, like Aaron, if you've ever heard of Aaron, he was Moses' brother who was the one who was the priest over Israel while they were walking through exile together. So the, follower, the, the children, the descendants of Aaron who live out their part in the worship of the temple. And so giving something for the sake of the church is also part of the sacrifice that we're called to. Right? We sacrifice with joy for what God desires for his work. We give up something. They gave up living where they wanted to live. We're inviting you maybe to give up food for a day or something else. Maybe this is going to look different for you. To give praise, to bring glory to God, to celebrate the things he's done, to celebrate what it means to have have people come and to know the power of God, to enter into worship together. And finally, to give portions. Um, Nobody asked me to talk about tithing or whatever else, um, but this is something that's part of how we live as a church, right? Often we'll have like the, the leadership team say, oh, we don't have enough money in the coffers or we don't do whatever else. Like, go tell them they got to tithe. Well, that's not, that's not what this is. This is an invitation. This is an invitation to be a part of the community of God. And part of being in, in this with God, part of being in this identifying with what God is doing is saying, man, in this place, I see value, both for myself and for others. I see value in how we call people to be missionaries. I see value in how we worship God and praise God together. And I see value in how we serve and love children and youth. I see value in how we care for people and we do congregational care well and we care and we bring things to those who who are sick and who are hurting and I care about the community of faith of people who are pursuing God together and if that's something you care about then it's something that God asks us to invest ourselves and our time and our energy and our effort and our the things we produce into right for some of these people if you look back right uh they give they gave their daily portions uh, all, of, all of Israel gave their daily portions. Now that's not like, oh, like I have hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm just going to be like, whoa, daily portion. Like this is what I make every day. I'm going to give it to the church. Like if that's you, God bless you and we want your money. Um, not really, right? Like and that's not what it's about, right? That's not what it's about. Like what it's really about is for us to worship together. And so if you believe in the passion and the mission and the vision and what we are doing as a church, if you believe that simplifying our bulletin program to be more clear for visitors is meaningful so that they can come and say, how do I connect? What, what are the things that are happening? Oh, I get that their songs aren't listed on the back the way that I want it to be listed. But I look at it and I'm like, it's so easy for a newcomer to come and say, wow, the next part is this. And that's what's helpful. And this is why we're doing this. I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of the value of our church. I'm willing to give something. I'm willing to give a portion of what I earn, of what I invest for value in my own thing. This is what, I, I'm going to brag on Jay. I, 
he, he basically said, I don't even care if you take an offering for, for him last week. If you heard his story about what he did, he, he doesn't care. This is why he does what he does so that he can go care about people. How incredible is it to have somebody on our staff who cares about people the way Jay cares about people? Amen, right? Like, and the way he leads us in worship. Um, and he's totally embarrassed right now because I'm putting attention on him where it doesn't belong, right? But, but how sweet is it that we have a community of people who care about the work of God? And I invite you, whatever that is for you, what, whatever way in which you feel like maybe I need to be more invested and giving my first effort and my first fruits and my value towards something. Maybe I need to be more invested in saying, man, I really do care about the work of this church. Here's how I'm going to commit my time and energy and fruits of my labor and my finances to support those things. And if there's other things you care about that are outside of this church, love them, support them. There's an orphanage in Africa that my wife visited in Rwanda um, a long time ago that we still support to this day because it's near and dear to our heart. It's not necessarily something our church does. It's something that God has stirred in our heart to be a part of supporting. So it's not just about the church. It's about the worship of God. It's about It's about the praise and the work of the people of God. Would you consider that as we enter this time of of offering and worship and reflection? Would you say, man, God, I get that you were calling us to sacrificially be a part of the community of God. I'd invite you to consider these next steps. If there's something else that God's stirring in your heart, awesome. This is the journey of the people of God, that we work together towards a purpose, that we care together towards a purpose of praising God, of worshiping him, of doing his work, and supporting those who do his work. Would you join me in prayer? God, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. You are faithful, you bring joy, and you are worthy of praise. And God, as the walls were built and and as they they were finished and as the people of God celebrated the work that you were going to do, God, we thank you that in this place we are doing the work and that when you see fit to complete it, we will celebrate and we will bring praise and we will be faithful to the work that you have called us to. God, would you teach us to be your people? Would you teach us to follow you, to seek you, to trust you? Would you allow us the joy and the celebration of the good things that you are doing in and through this community at Simi Covenant? Would you help us to see and to be aware of those around us? Would you help us to show them your love your grace, that you are worthy to be praised. In your name, amen.